electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber live at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Futures a little wobbly here as we dive into the first batch of industrial Q4 results. Coming up in the next two hours, we're all over the earnings movers today. We've got interviews with the CEOs of Raytheon, GE, and Union Pacific, all wow. their respective results. And that's where we will begin. A bunch of names. Uh, we could start with, say, 3M this morning, Jim. Well, look, I think a lot of companies are coming in too hot. A lot of stocks. I mean, you take a, a, a 3M, and 3M had been weaker, and then it moved up, and now it's giving back that gain. And it's giving back the gain because when you talk to a CEO and he basically says, look, we're not satisfied with the progress or performance, it's difficult for me to be satisfied. The, they do have some 2,500 global manufacturing roles layoff. Uh, I don't think 3M, I think 3M is atypical in how bad it is because organic growth, 0.4. David, you know, when you do uh, a gap earnings, they're disappointing. Uh, Cash flow is a little bit better, but this is the kind of thing you worry about. This is the kind of thing that uh, uh, Mike Wilson says, don't, you know, you're going to have to worry about the earnings Mm -hmm. and boom, you have to worry. Rapid declines in consumer facing markets accelerated in December. You know, the guide, I think many uh, investors, at least, are going to think is one of the key problems here. They had guided to 850 to 9 bucks after subtracting 22 cents to exit PFAS. Remember, they're no longer going to be manufacturing PFAS. That's going to, by the way, take a number of years. But nonetheless, uh, even if you give them credit for those earnings, it's still about 872 to 922 versus consensus of 1020 in terms of the guide. Not a good guide. Down margins on inflationary pressure. Organic growth, negative 3%, maybe a top of a zero, of flat if you're lucky. So you could maybe view it as a kitchen sink guide in front of the healthcare spin, Jim. But it's not great. No, it's not great. There's a line also that I really don't like where they say, and we advance strategies to resolve legal matters. Well, you know what? One of the things about legal matters is that there are two sides. So you can advance your strategies, but the other side may have advanced their strategies. Yeah. This is PFAS, and, uh, uh, which is groundwater, which... We all know is something that juries just do never find in favor of companies that I've seen. But also uh, combat arms, which is the problems with hearing uh, and hearing loss and tinnitus that that they may or may not have caused. They didn't, they didn't get out of that liability. Remember, they tried to they were trying to segregate oh, Texas that. Too, yeah, good luck. Well, how do you separate um, the specific challenges and liabilities versus what we used to call an economic bellwether in the case of 3M? Well, I just do think that 3M right now is challenged in in areas that we just find to be hard to believe. I mean, healthcare has been steady. Uh, I, I think that 3M materials, look, 3M was run in a way that I think was probably over-earned uh, before Mike Roman. So I'm reluctant to be as critical about Mike Roman as I can. David, you know that we didn't know about groundwater before Mike Roman started. We just didn't know it was going to be the big issue. Right. I mean, they're trying to listen to their credit. They are dealing with all of these they're things. They're trying. It's going to take some time. Um, right. It's going to take some time. Yeah. And, and to your point, the liability on the on the ear, what do they call it? What's the combat tech, arms? Combat arms. Yeah, it's tinnitus uh, issue. Is, I'm is very sig- familiar potentially with. significant. Right. PFAS, obviously the manufacturing, but it's going to take a while right. for them to exit that fully. Uh, but then you're just dealing with it. I mean, is this a reflection, though, of what we're talking about in terms of the broader <laughs> no, economy? It's an extreme. As Reflection. It's an extreme reflection. Yeah, it's just like what happens if you really miss the ball on a bunch of different lines. Uh, it reminds me of a great quote from Bill Parcells where he takes a player out and the guy says, Coach, I'm trying. And Parcells says, No, see, we don't want you to try. We want you to win. And uh, 3M is trying, but That's, it's not enough. When it comes to the stock, there may be some to say, well, listen, on the businesses they own, it could be considered cheap. But I think that liability question is liability one is too high. that is just very difficult for investors to say, I'm willing to take that risk, even if it does 
appear to be cheap. Right. I think that they misunderstood and still misunderstand what happens when you have a veteran on the stand who is suing for you know millions of dollars and is a is the kind of plaintiff that juries tend to want to side with. And 3M, you know, when you have water that may have caused cancer, again, these are really hard things to put behind you. They're not asbestos, where there was a memo at one point that said this causes cancer, but ignored it. But these problems can't go away. They're going to dog them for a long time. Right. Uh, not the only company this morning where guidance is underwhelming. Uh, you could look at Verizon. You could look at GE this morning. Uh, look, uh, Verizon... Again, Verizon is one of those stocks where, when Hans Vesper tells me, listen, we didn't do that. You know, things look weak uh, ahead of things. I can't go against him. Uh, GE, the quarter I really liked. You have them at 1015, like a couple of 15. Uh, some people feel, obviously, that the forecast isn't that good. I think you got to press them on how the possibilities of power could have upside. Mm-hmm. I mean, because suddenly Europe has turned in favor of natural gas. So I, I, right. I, I am not. I mean, I read Steve Tusa's note today, and he's the J.P. Morgan uh, Ahab, and this is the white whale. And what I say is, is that I did not detect the usual level of of cynicism, uh, correct cynicism. Yeah, I felt that Colt may have something here. Interesting. We're going to we'll we'll be focused on that with him. I have to say that Hans Vestberg, of course, CEO of Verizon, who was a guest on Squawk Box earlier, did something I have rarely heard him do. He said he was disappointed in how they executed in the second quarter. Um, You know, Vestberg is not usually one who sort of self-remonstration. Yes, yes, or, no. or critical. Um, it's usually like everything's been great. Um, but take a listen to what uh, Vestberg had to say in terms of at least sort of, I thought, an unusual admission for him. And then we had a year last year where actually I was disappointed over the second quarter, really disappointed. We didn't perform. Uh, took a lot of actions in the third quarter, started seeing some of improvements in third quarter. In the fourth quarter, especially on the consumer business, we saw improvements, we saw momentum, and that's what we're coming into in 23. Didn't get into the details in terms of what actions they took in the third quarter and started to see improvements, but again, kind of interesting to hear that from him. I think you're right. I mean, Somebody yeah. who I had, I've done a lot of interviews in the past with, the last right. of which was a little bit of a tougher interview a number of months back. Uh, in, in that period, actually, it was in the third quarter. We well, you know, an easy interview is Mike Siebert from T-Mobile because they continue to win a lot of business. And I, I think that Hans Vestberg is, is, is getting beaten by T-Mobile. You do? Yes, I do. And I think that T-Mobile offers... Uh, <laughs> I, look, I, I think that, that there are a lot of us who were brought up on Verizon. And then there's a lot of young people who just say, look, I, I don't need Verizon. They're giving me a great phone at T-Mobile. And T-Mobile's been... They've met, it, We've talked it, about it numerous it, times. Of course, I focused it, on it for weeks when their market value passed that of Verizon. That's right? long gone at this point. Although, frankly, to be fair, the two are not that far apart in terms of dollar-wise. Um, Verizon relied for many, many years as its key marketing tool, having the best network. They continue to say that is the case, but I think that that is more of a question mark now in the 5G world than it had been previously. Very much so. I'm glad you brought that up because that's, it looks like the T-Mobile's kind of leapfrogged. Um, And John Ledger said it would happen. Mike Siebert is not a braggart, but he has not been in the dumb and dumber camp about Verizon. Actually had an up, a number bump today for ATT, but... Uh, AT&T reports tomorrow. Verizon's a very visible miss. And so you've got 3M visible miss. You have GE talking about the future. People don't like it. We have Greg Hayes on from Raytheon Technologies. And I think it's a very good quarter, but the market says maybe it is. Look, the market is, is, the long knives are out for the market. Witness J&J was up up a dollar and a half when they reported. And it was a very exciting quarter that the market loved, and then the market turned on. Yeah. Uh, J&J, one of the few firms this morning to to guide above on adjusted EPS for the full year uh, with a beat on the quarter and revenue slight miss. Of all the names we're going to talk about today, Jim, uh, the only stocks that are up pre-market are going to be Horton and Lockheed. Yeah, no, uh, isn't this interesting? Lockheed was a stock that went down almost daily because of, uh, of the Republican pledge to cut the deficit. And Horton, the orders were weaker. Uh, the uh, no doubt about it that the rates going up are, are hurt them. But the the extraordinary amount of money that they're still making from a home uh, shows me that this is one where a lot of people were shorted, thinking this had to be the quarter they rolled over. 
Uh, this is a giant home builder. And Jan Hatsius has a note out today from Goldman saying, you know, housing could be troughing. Is that troughing? No. Is that troughing? No. I'm, I think the trough was uh, a little there maybe that when but, rates peaked in October. Jim, I would like to come back to the broader market. We have seen a number of these companies that are reporting numbers, particularly the industrial related companies that are going to be down in the pre-market, perhaps when the when we open 20 minutes from now. But we're up 4.7% in the S&P right. in, what, three weeks? 8.5% on the NASDAQ. I'm just looking here at you know some of the stocks that we watch. NVIDIA is up 31%. Disney's up 21%. Warner Brothers Discovery is up 42%. Tesla is up 16.7%. Haven't we, have we gotten ahead of ourselves a bit on some of these names or with these inc- very strong rebounds from very poor 2022 uh, or is it reflective of this general hope that, you know, things are only going to get better when it comes to the Fed and that this focus on wage inflation perhaps is not going to be as great as people think? I, I don't know. Uh, look, I think that you that uh, there's a note today. There's a downgrade of AMD. Mm-hmm. And it's very typical of what I was afraid of. This is from Bernstein. The stock was up 10 percent yesterday. Well, that was wrong. It's up 18 percent for the year. Yeah. Now, I mean, the stock was down from 170, but... It is correct to say that there's no uh, inventory corrections. Not fit, you know, there's Set not a, for the year. When I say for the year, I mean year to date. Right. Excuse me. Yeah. But I'm just saying that the downgrade has some sort of gravitas because the stock was indeed up seven. But, you know, David, I think that there's a note that is really encouraging. Uh, there was a note that said you've got to buy Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't seen that. Oh, my. I mean, just basically just saying you want cheap. You want st- a stock that can go up a lot. It's but, Warner Brothers. Yeah, discovery. it would have it's been romantic. helpful three weeks ago. I mean, there it is. Well, Year to date, the stock's up 41 percent. Well, that would have uh, been well, great. Uh, B of A raised their numbers on WBD around the turn of the year. Turn of the year. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean, they took about 80 percent upside, so you missed some of it. David, there's one that I thought was right up your alley. Tell me. Uh, Disney, Wells Fargo says that, that Bob Iger's going to come out swinging. Swinging against who exactly? He's he's always swinging. Yeah, he's swinging. Yeah, he's but two billion dollar cost cut perhaps in DTC. That'd be big. Yeah. Um, well, your point about there are a lot of costs potentially there that he needs to deal with. Sorry, Carl. No, that's right. I mean, yesterday on the AMD was an upgrade out of Barclays. Right. Today it's, it's the downgrade out of Bernstein. And uh, Stacy says the PC environment has grown considerably worse. Okay, I disagree with that. PC, the PC environment was down nineteen percent at the end of the quarter. Uh, I don't think that you can see through uh, three price uh, target reductions, pre, uh, three price cuts, uh, Micron, to take that stock to 61. I remember, he got it down, got it down, got it down. But we should really focus on what that upgrade was about yesterday. It was not about 2023. It was about 2024 and how you had to get ahead of it. And uh, Bernstein saying, listen, that's no, you can't get ahead of it. There was no, uh, in that upgrade, there was nothing about how PCs are turning. It's just betting that there'll be an end to the just endless decline of PCs, which I agree with. You're not going to fall down 90% every year. Well, to David's point, the Barclays upgrade was basically saying we didn't realize how much investors wanted to own these names coming into this this part of the cycle. Look, Texas Instruments is going to report. Maybe that is going to wipe things out. I do think that yesterday you saw the triumph of an ETF. Uh, the notion of that upgrade that we saw was that the semiconductor capital equipment companies have not gotten the orders they've gotten, which is how the inventory flood ends. So they were saying, sell AMAT, you know, sell LAM. And those stocks went up huge. That is the SMH, David. That is the ETFization that I despise. Why do you despise it? Because the only reason why you might make their numbers AMD is if people stop ordering machines to make, P- t- to make the semis. There it is. By the uh, way, NVIDIA is different. You're today the 16% percent That's the, the, the five to $11 billion dollar chat. I think it was Gelsinger last week was giving an interview and said it feels like the industry's hitting the brakes and the gas at the same time because they're trying to control a glut on the one hand, but also produce for what we think will be a, a, a deficit in the future. I did that in my first time, uh, in the first test at, the, at getting license. Hit the brake and the gas <laughs> at the same time. The second one, which was at Trevos, the state police gave me a cut me a break when I did that. I think that it's interesting that Gelsinger is using that analogy of, of what I regard as being an early driver. <laughs> Getting their learner's permit. Well, we'll find out more. Uh, that CapEx number from Intel later this week is going to be key. Yeah, sure. well, you remember, they're no longer the bellwether. No. And NVIDIA, by the way, we got to understand, you have to. If you're gonna NVIDIA use, is the bellwether, which is why you just... Well, no, I mean, if you're going to... 
do something with chat. With chat GPT. It's on NVIDIA. It's the best way to play it. I understand. I'm just trying to help people follow your thinking. Well, I don't think my thinking no, is that No, it's fine. You just, you, you, CGP, you, know, you want to go play CGP, GBG. You can go by Microsoft. I think that's ridiculous. You might, you know, there's other businesses like, say, uh, CCTV, Azure. Azure. But in You're just saying words Look, now. now. You're just saying when words. I said, when I said to a dashboard, please draw me a Matisse, and it could do it, I didn't realize that that's what it was. I thought it was a parlor game. We're going to learn more about Microsoft tonight, that's for sure. Uh, coming up, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell. Future's still a little weak here as we get closer to the bell in about 15 minutes. Don't go away. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, don't adjust your clocks. We are doing the Mad Dash a little early today. We've got about 12 minutes before we get started with uh, the opening bell. We mentioned J&J very briefly, a glancing right. blow. So let's come back to it, a 440 billion dollar market value company reported earnings this morning cap. Right. all right so what you need to know about this one this is the arc of earnings season um, that i fear okay so joe walk is the excellent cfo comes on becky interviews him the stock immediately reacts and jumps to uh to 169 okay and and that's because the consumer product which is the spin did much better. A lot of that was Neutrogena, but Tylenol was up. And you start thinking, wow, okay, so we got to spin this year the consumer product with maybe mid to high single digit. The big loss of exclusivity problem that I was worried about in pharma could be made up by some incredible multiple myeloma drugs. And David, medical devices, we have big ac- uh, acquisitions. So I thought after listening, as did other viewers, this stock was up a dollar and a half. Well, here we go. Now the stock is down 2.65. You mentioned the stocks overall are up. This is a company that is what you're supposed to sell right. if we're coming out of a... And by the way, this move is mirrored by uh, Merck, Pfizer. The exactly. entire group right. has done this begin starting the year, obviously in contrast to many of the names we mentioned earlier, such as NVIDIA or Tesla, where you go through many of the, uh, of the bigger growth former. Right. I mean, you're not supposed to buy the stock if you think that the economy's uh, coming back. You're not supposed to buy it, by the way, if Horton's doing well, the largest home builder. My problem with all that, David, is that this is a self-help situation. The company had given conservative guidance very recently. They didn't take that back, but it did make you feel very, very good. I mean, I when I listened to Joe, uh, who is an excellent CFO, Joe Wolf, I just said, okay, fantastic. It should be a down only two because it's a pharma company. And the market has decided, no, no doubt, that farmers are good. There are also people worried about the Democratic Party and if they elect, if they put up someone who's more anti-drug. And we'll talk to Raytheon, but people think that the Republicans have just decided it's time to have discipline. So you've got a lot of uh, talk in Washington that's not reflected in this. But most important, David, is that this is a pattern that I am concerned about. Which pattern? Great American companies that are going down because people feel the economy's going to roar. Got it. Okay, we'll come back to that. We're also going to have an exclusive interview, by the way, with Raytheon CEO Greg Hayes. A lot more Squawk on the Street for you straight ahead. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block? Release. With Canva Magic Right. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work.
Weeks getting uh, more complex as we move into this Tuesday. Futures are a little bit weaker here as we get our first big batch of uh, non-tech earnings from some large industrials. Data in Europe, not too bad. Composite flash PMI there returns to growth, uh, 50.2, looking for another month of contraction. Didn't quite get it. Opening bell coming up in about six minutes. Take a look at shares of Tesla. Uh, you can see going to be down a bit when we get started with trading uh, about three and a half minutes from now. Uh, it was up 8% yesterday. That might encourage Elon Musk to want to spend a lot more time in court. I doubt it, but I mention it because, of course, that move yesterday came while Mr. Musk was in court for as long as four hours in that securities fraud trial. Uh, Musk detailing that 2018 funding secured tweet was based off a handshake deal that never materialized with Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund. He told the court, though, that his SpaceX shares, now remember, SpaceX is a private company, but he said that alone would have secured the funding needed to take Tesla private back then in 18, saying, quote, I sold Tesla stock to complete the Twitter transaction, and I would have done the same here, meaning he would have sold stock in then private, still private, SpaceX to fund a Tesla Go private. By the way, he's going to be back on the stand today. Court resumes 1130 a.m. Eastern. That will wrap up his testimony, guys. Talk about distractions, although, again, the stock, an incredibly strong performer yesterday, as we pointed out, up some almost 17% coming into today's session. Well, it's interesting. You know, there actually are facts going in favor of Tesla. Raw materials are better. There's an order pickup. Prices coming down apparently has worked. Uh, they've got some good news out of Berlin. You know, Carl, when I look at Tesla, I know that there is, this is a moth to flame situation. Our viewers really want to own the stock, and because it's been one of the greatest performers of all time, and the distraction is just so hard to measure of, of Twitter, uh, and it's in your face every day where you say, well, okay, where is he really working? So I, I would say that Tesla's got, a, maybe has more bench than we realize, because they're doing a lot of things right now. Yep. Uh, certainly market moving past the uh, delivery news that we got earlier in the month. By the way, in terms of global autos, uh, Ford potentially in talks to sell a plant in Germany to BYD, it, which it, would be a big step for that rival. Yeah, I mean, look, there, there's a mantra that Jim Farley, CEO, has, which is to make money everywhere. He will not be in a business that doesn't make money. But I think personally that if, that, Tes that Ford, which my chapel trust owns, could be pressured by Tesla. I think that the Mach-E, when you cut prices in your Musk, it's also a, uh, it's kind of a, a statement. Look, we're going to win your business for it. Maybe you, know, maybe you think that Mach-E is so great and you're going to produce all these tens of thousands of Mach-E's, but we, gotta, we have intentions. You're not going to make as much money on it. So rethink that. I think it was Adam Jonas yesterday who said, autos are going to start to take a lesson from these tech layoffs, Jim, uh, and, and maybe cut back on things they can do without for now in, in the wake of what's likely going to be a price war. Well, I do think that the, we're seeing some numbers pick up in subprime loans for autos. Uh, but autos have always been, to me, new, new cars, a reflection of employment. And so far, employment's pretty good. I am concerned, though, about Tesla trying to take share, which they can because they have such big margins in Tesla. He, he will protect them. Let's get the opening bell here in the CNBC Real-Time Exchange at the big board. It is U-Haul, uh, the holding company there, celebrating its recent listing and at the NASDAQ multi-use product, WD. Speaking of um, consumer brands, Jim, a lot of consumer downgrades today. Lululemon, Cheesecake Factory, Peloton, VF Corp, Canada Goose. Yeah. I mean, VF Corp, very bad quarter. Uh, there, there's no doubt about it. Peloton, big quarter. I'm surprised there's to be some pickup there. But the Lulu is beginning to make me wonder, has it peaked? I just wonder whether uh, Lulu got too expensive. Those of us who shop there are inundated with coupons on a daily basis. Uh, the downgrade today was also predicated upon store tour and merchandise that needs to move. That's not the Lulu I know. Lulu is a full-priced operation. It's not full-priced. Yeah. Uh, Bernstein goes to underperform. Yeah. Uh, Target 290. That was vicious. David, you know, uh, apparel which was actually up in the CPI, uh, 0.5, 
Well, I mean, I don't know where they get that number. Sometimes I wonder, who did they talk to? We had Levi Strauss downgraded yesterday. They report this week, VF Corp. I mean, you could outfit yourself with everything that's being cut. And yet the CPI says that apparel's up. What is that about? I don't know. Yeah, are we, are you, you know, you're the one who visits stores. Are you seeing actual discounts? Are they starting to actually cut price on things to unload inventory? You go to TJ Maxx here, yeah. David, it's like, you know what? It's like shopping at a, uh, at, at, with every single name brand you want. Everyone you want. With the exception, Nike is still holds in there. Well, Lulu would tell you they've held in there as well and well, been able Lulu's to hold price. A, they're not in the channel. No. But I just think that when you read the downgrades, the downgrades are basically about having too much merchandise. And I, I don't want to go against the downgrades because, frankly, the quarter was not blowout. And uh, I don't have a, they have a small China story, not a big China story. But, you know, one of the things that bothers me about the action J&J is Joe Wolf will tell you, look, we didn't do a lot of business in MedTech in China. MedTech was shut down in China. MedTech is very important in China. We forget that, oh, there we go. So someone's decided <laughs> to step up and buy it. So why don't they look at Danaher, which I have gone over nine ways to Sunday. My chapel trust owns. Now, I mean, I think that Danaher is going to call me and say, do you know why our stock is down? This is not one of those where they say, you know what? We really don't know what we're doing. They pre-announced the darn quarter. They delivered the darn quarter. So you're selling it on what they pre-announced. What do you want out of a company? Uh, yeah, Danaher with a, uh, a beat, revenue ahead. Barclays actually goes to 290, up in yeah. their target. Well, I mean, look, there's someone who desperately is trying to color that stock down. Because that, or do they just say, well, wait a second. Uh, it, 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 all they did was do the number. But the number was just... Pre, they pre-announced. I mean, David, if you pre-announce a good number and then you give us the number just like a couple weeks later, yeah. should the stock really be down as much as it was in the pre-announcement? I, I mean, I think there's some. I think there that people are shooting first and then shooting second and shooting third. Right. They may be. I'm trying to figure out Verizon, guys. Um, what? Did it just come back? It, yeah. It, it looks like it's up sharply. Potentially, what? take a well, look. There's I, a couple weird prints on on Verizon and Union Pacific. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to figure them out. Union Pacific um, was a definite miss, because, and the operating ratio was bad. Okay. Um, that is unexpected. Um, now, I'm seeing something about them potentially. What is this? Um, yeah, what is this up like this? Capital what is this? investments. I'm not sure. Um, what, what he may have said on the no call price increases in terms of capex. I, I, I want to check it out, but capex yeah, these down. two. You look at this one, Carl. Um, you Pacific. Those are unexpected but, moves. Are these prints right? And I'm just trying. Are the prints and right? Yeah, and the, they're both halt. Uh, is Verizon's is, is it, are the machines is halted? So check out Wells. Uh, Wells this print here on Wells. Um, I mean, there's something wrong with these prints. Something yeah. going. Oh, yeah. Wells is down 11%. So, what? Are you kidding me? We've been in this territory before. I can remember it because it made for some yeah, memes where I said, I got to make phone calls. I don't remember how many years ago that was. There's something weird going on here. How about that? We just go with yeah. something weird going on. Take a look at Verizon. Take a look at Wells Fargo. Try to take get those a look prices. at Union Pacific. Try to those get are not real prices. I'll sell you all the Union Pacific you want at that price and buy all the Wells. You, you said that about Proctor back in the day. Is there somebody here on the floor or somebody? I don't know. Proctor down you want 10. To tell us what's going on here, then guys? it was down 15, then it was down 20. So you should go in and you should buy Wells. Let me just tell you how to do it so you don't pay too much. You go in and you buy 2,000 Wells at first. At 43, use a limit of 43. If you can pick them off, you did very, very well because there ain't nothing wrong with Wells. They already reported a good quarter. So anyway, that's my advice. In Union Pacific, as much as I like Lance Fritz, that was not a great operating ratio. So if you own it, you can and you can sell it. I would sell it at two. Uh, I don't know, two twenty. Use a two nineteen, two nineteen. Uh, you know, limit yeah. to sell as much Union Pacific as you own. Well, I don't think you can get that price. Well, I, it doesn't matter. Is I got Verizon Hall. Send in the clowns, man. UNP. He passed away. He was great. He was the best. A lot of UNP's halted. Prints. Wells is. Well, let's just just say that halted. Well, it, it, there's a ton of these. Lily this morning, crazy print there. Lily, how's Lily doing? Because that Mujarno is good. Yeah, Lily is halted up six. Uh, something. Yeah, there's. 
Well, let's just say that we have completely bogus prints. These are not real. People These to, are not. But if you can sell, I don't think sell a thousand Lily at, with a three fifty eight low. X- you'll XOM do guys is down seven point six percent. Exxon Mobil again. I've got a P on my screen here. Well, right. Why can't we just why we do this? What's why going on? Let's not Somebody want to answer people. this? Let's not mislead people. There are a lot of companies right now whose stocks are incorrect. But they're not trading, Jim, is the no, point. But Even though incorrect. we're showing, they're halting. They're incorrect. No, those aren't right prices. Something Charlie Sharp is in there buying every share imaginable Wells Fargo. He can't He's not getting it because it's not trading. No, no, I just don't want to mislead people that these but prices this is are up. This they're is not, some sort of a they're weird. They're not facetious. They're more um, suboptimal. You can't trust um, them. So let's move on to something we can trust. I don't. Well, we want to find out what's going on. You got some of the biggest market cap companies well, in the country that aren't trading and, 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 are, and are showing prints that are down 11 percent or up 7 percent or down 7. You know, you got Exxon Mobil down 7, Verizon up 7, Wells down 11, Lilly up 7. I mean, I don't know what's going on. I just gave you a plan. If it's real, I just gave you a good plan. It's not to sell real, Jim. All right. All right. Okay. I'm sorry. We know it's not real. All right. So there's a machine. There's somebody. Yes. What do you want? Fat finger? Want me to make yeah. up? No. No. You can make up anything you want. We know no, this is real. No, I don't want to make up anything. All right. McDonald's. I'm saying that my chapel trust owns Lily, and right now I am selling every <laughs> damn share of Lily that I own. No, I you're know. not. You still like it up seven. No, I do because that Majorno <laughs> is unbelievable. You lose 15% of fat. All I mean, right. I'm sorry that your body weight goes down. Some 50%. weird thing is going on. It's just bad market data. Strange things. Just could be bad. I'm hearing just stranger things. Tech issue. Nothing happens. Bad data. Bad market data. Bad market data. Okay. Okay. I don't think it's. Let's move on. It's limited to a certain number of names. A lot of other names are trading. Everything else. Someone's going to own up. No, no one will ever own up to it because then they'll be fired, and nobody gets fired in corporate America unless they are have a bad quarter. Um, Just adding to the names. Got Visa up six percent. That's also halted. So it's bad market data. Visa. Visa. How's MasterCard? I don't know. Keeping pace? MasterCard is not, no. no All right, Ma- so let's, yeah. let's deal with, with what we can deal with, yes. which is that we have uh, so many, many people who want to upgrade things before they can be upgraded. We have a series of cybersecurity upgrades that I don't think are going to necessarily have a lot of staying power. We have a lot of, uh, when it comes to, when it comes to just like any tech stock, that is talked about today. JP Morgan upgrades Palo Alto, Crossway. Uh, it's Microsoft tonight. So, like, just wait. Microsoft is controlling everything that's said today. So, if Microsoft's bad, you're going to say, why did I buy? Well, well the journal piece this morning doesn't exactly create high hopes for tonight's print. No, I'm concerned about Microsoft. I, I do think that when you lay off a lot of people, it occurs to me that maybe your business isn't as good as you say. How about this report about 10, yeah. justice uh, taking aim at uh, Google? For the second time. Look, yeah. I, I, I Digital like ad market Kanner, dominance. justice. He's a smart fella. But, I mean, I think the American people, in the end, want prices lower, and Alphabet has made prices lower, not higher. This is the second go-around. The first go-around ended with the government kind of giving up. And, uh, and I think the government, as much as they may have, think they have a good case, uh, they don't have the horses. They do not have the horses. Now, David, speaking yes, of people who do have the well, horses. Looks like, things are, looks like things are getting back to normal. Can I get normal. that price, Lily? Did I, I got Verizon now down 1.8%, oh. trading again. Verizon's uh, not I've got ExxonMobil. It uh, looks like we have corrected those uh, those tech. And you're going to get to the bottom those of pricing what happened, problems. All, McDonald's still is weird, but a number of them are starting yeah, to trade Bob, now. Bob Iger's supposed to come out swinging. Exxon looks like it's back to actually trading. Verizon's trading now where we thought it would, down about 1.8%. Wait. McDonald's no, well, can, not trading. Can yet. we just move on? Carl, <laughs> I'm told to go to you. Uh, exchange related issues. That's what I'm told. Uh, Exchange-related issues. Millions lost, but but for heaven's sake, don't look into that one. Well, no, nobody may have lost anything, right? Because these things were were halted from the... If they did anything, they did my plan. They made some money. You haven't talked about Salesforce. Salesforce. It's not like the flash crash where you got a real opportunity. No, I know. The whole day, and you would not even mentioned Salesforce. No, we haven't mentioned Salesforce. You want to talk about it? I just mentioned it. Okay. What do you want to say about it? Well... I just think just I wanted day. to say that yesterday the stock was only up about four. You have four activists that very much want, I think, a change. Yes. And yet you have the best product. You have a monster uh, buyback. 
you have a you know a pretty decent layoffs. And I ask you, David, what more do they want? I don't know. I, this is what I would venture a guess at. They want to get to 30% operating margins, including stock-based comp, over a two-year period. Okay. And they want a real succession plan. Well, they maybe deserve that. I know that a lot of people, when you look at the board of Salesforce, if you ask me what the weakest part of Salesforce is, they have board members that look like board members for life. And you can't do that. You can't have board members for life uh, when it comes to a stock, even if you think they're the greatest people on it. You can't have board members for 18, 19 years. They need a refresher. There. Okay. Uh, let's check in with Bob Bassani and find out more about uh, some of these hiccups in pricing we got this morning. Bob, what do we know? Yeah, hi. Uh, I am uh, just walking around on the floor talking to people. Uh, and uh, as David has noted, there's a lot of strange prices. Uh, I don't have an answer. I talked to uh, Michael Blaugrund, uh, who runs floor trading. He's uh, going upstairs into a meeting. It seems like there was a systemic sort of issue with the prices. Now, I don't know for sure, but walking around, just talking to the designated market makers and looking at prices, some companies, some stocks appear to have opened up limit up, limit down. Uh, some had incorrect prices. And we're just trying to still sort through exactly what's going on. I don't quite know. You know, this has been fairly rare for occurrence like this, some kind of techno, uh, technological issue. And that's what it looks like uh, at the NYSE. It ha has not happened in a very, very long time. So uh, I think that this was primarily um, not related to anybody uh, with pricing on the floor or anybody else doing something, it was a technological issue, and we're still sorting it out. I'm going to go over here and talk again to the designated market makers, see the floor officials. Carl, I'll see what I can get you in the next couple of minutes. Looks, yeah, sorry. It, I mean, Bob, it looks like things are starting to get back to normal. Yeah. You got Verizon trading normally now, Exxon. Uh, many of the names that we had cited seem to be back now to trading. I mean, I've been hearing same, which was simply it was a technical issue of some kind involving uh, bad market data, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, All right, well, I hope nobody know. got hurt. Um, that's what you always your yeah. fear is, is someone might have put a market order in and uh, bought Eli Lilly up 25, and now they're saying, yeah, sure, you, you, you talk about a technological problem. I just ended up with one of the biggest losses I've ever had. Yeah. So that's why well, you have I was to be just careful. Don't up. use market orders when you see these kinds it of things. It was May of 2010. When uh, it was actually a much larger problem, right? But in that case, it was a, initially attributed to trader error where you right. talked about Proctor. Well, that was really uh, one of those moments where the asset class was very much challenged. And we've seen this periodically. Why, why is retail, a so-called smaller investor, every year seem to be less interested? And the answer is, is that what just happened? What just yeah. Happened? Although, again, I'm not sure anybody got hurt here because these stocks were halted immediately. Right. So... Yeah, but it people, just, it looked how funny. do you trust them? It's like a Bitcoin. It's <laughs> Maybe one did I miss something on the Verizon call? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, when it was up to? Yeah. Hans up two, yeah, from, it was up. Hans must have been saying, you know what? I got to stop beating wait, wait myself second. up. That's a darn good. Liz Fritz, who misses the quarter badly at Pacific, may be saying, you know what? I'm way too critical myself. Was, I mean, these guys, they're catastrophizing uh, is what the it, psychiatrist it, might again, say. Again, it does appear that almost everything we had looked at is back to is actually oh, yeah. trading and what we would have expected from uh rises a little better the open yeah a little bit it opened down it benefited down 1.3 it benefited from the Maybe shenanigans it <laughs> um in the meantime we're awaiting obviously microsoft tonight and some data uh, throughout the course of the day nothing too consequential but we're going to get some composite pmis here in a moment richmond fed and a two-year note auction later on today uh for the data i think we're going to get to who's got it rick santelli Rick. Yes, absolutely. How you doing, Carl? Well, we have the release of our January preliminary S&P Global PMIs for manufacturing, 46.8. We're expecting the number around 46, so a bit better. And sequentially, it follows 46.2. And actually, it's the highest level only going back to November when it was 47.7. But we haven't been above 50 since October of last year. If you look at the services PMI, probably the most important of the trio, 46.6. It definitely bests expectations, and it's better than 44.7 in the rearview mirror. 46.6 is the best level going back to October. Haven't been over 50 since June in the service sector. And finally, the composite PMI, which puts them all together, 46.6. 
very close to expectations. Uh, 45.0 in the rearview mirror and 46.6. How does that stack up? That is the best level going back to October. Hasn't been above 50 since June. And if you look at the markets with regard to interest rates, as that data was released, yields have actually moved a little bit higher. And we want to pay very close attention to the psychological level of 3.5% in 10-year note yields. We know they came back from that sub-340 awfully quickly. Carl, back to you. All right, Rick, thanks so much. Uh, Rick Santelli, as we continue our earnings coverage uh, this morning, uh, Morgan Brennan's here at Post 9 as we dig into Raytheon. Hey, Morgan. Hey. Uh, yeah, so we have Raytheon results topping earnings estimates, but coming up short on revenue. And uh, I think we've got a special guest coming on. Yeah, I've got to tell you. Morgan, first of all, thank you for being here. It's great. And you're Lock- Lockheed Martin. It was up seven at one point. It looked like an error. It was actually a terrific quarter. Yeah. Uh, I want to go uh, joining us exclusively. Uh, is Raytheon's chairman and CEO, Greg Hayes. Uh, I like to call him a friend of the show, David. Like that? Sure. I do. I do. All right. So, Greg, I, I want to take issue with what the market's doing. And I do that because of my faith in you as a CEO. When you look at stocks that are down, suddenly you have automatic headlines saying that things are worse. And in this case, the headlines were that aerospace is weaker. Now, Greg, may aerospace not be the strongest it's ever been? If you think about the commercial aerospace markets, right? So they're about 80% of what they were pre-pandemic. That, that is worldwide traffic. And we see you know, that, that recovery is going to continue throughout 2023. You know, our commercial aftermarket was up 25% last year, 15% in the, in the fourth quarter. So uh, I don't know what weakness anybody's seen, but uh, it certainly looks like all uh, uh, everything is marching as exactly as we had expected in terms of the recovery. Yep, right down the middle of the fairway, I would say. Now, we do have um, a group of people in Congress. They are doves. They want to cut back the military. They seem to think that perhaps we are not in a threatened position. And they're the Republicans. Uh, How much should we worry about the idea that the Republicans want you to produce fewer, uh, uh, let's just say, weapons to protect us, maybe even Patriot missiles? Maybe we should be making less of those. You know, Jim, I think that is a very, very small subset of the Republican Party that thinks we're spending too much on defense. Now, look, the budget has gone up about 10 percent from 22 to 23 to about a little over $850 billion. But the fact is, we're still not producing weapons and systems fast enough to support our allies, both in NATO and in the Indo-Pacific region. So uh, while there may be some talk of, of a few people that we're spending too much on defense, as I'm out talking to the different commands, whether we're out in the Indo-PACOM or whether we're at the NATO headquarters, uh, everybody is saying we need more. We need more AMRAMs. We need more Patriots. We need more NASAMs. We need more Javelins, more Stingers. So I think, again, it's it's just a, a very vocal minority that's not going to get any traction in Congress. Oh, okay. One last question before I turn over to Morgan. Uh, I had understood that a Patriot missile was not easy to uh, man, and it does require about 100 people to get it right. Uh, very hard to learn. Uh, do you think that the Ukrainians have time to be able to present the ma- to prevent the mass destruction of hospitals, of schools, nursing homes with Patriot missiles? Or do you think that it's just too difficult to get them, that the government, our government is afraid about some sort of offensive quality that they don't really have, and they're just too difficult to learn how to use? So, look, Jim, it's, it, if anything, we have found that the Ukrainians have been very, very fast learners. We got the NASAM systems in in about six weeks from the time that it was announced. Uh, we had training uh, underway up in Norway. We got the system in place. And incredibly, as we look at the uh, the ability of NASAMs to, to, to uh, detect and destroy incoming targets, they are at a 100% success rate since we introduced that system. I think Patriot is going to be exactly the same. But unfortunately, Jim, one Patriot system does not defend Ukraine. You need probably 14 or 15 Patriot systems across the country to actually prevent the destruction that you're seeing with the Russian missiles targeting schools and apartment buildings and hospitals. So this is uh, the first step is to get the first cadre train that's happening at Fort Sill today. Uh, we think that'll be less than six months, and then we're going to see how many more we can get trained up and how many more systems that we can uh, work with DOD to deploy in country. 
Greg, it's Morgan. Just to stay with that, that thought for a moment, I mean, there's literally tens of billions of dollars worth of Pentagon money that's been appropriated. It has not seemed to flow yet into contracts for weapons replenishments for these Ukraine-related orders, things like Patriots, as you mentioned. Is the pace of contracting accelerating? And as you do ramp production of things like Stingers and, and NASAMs, for example, how quickly can you turn those over and deliver those into places like Ukraine? Yeah, you know, there's there's two two issues there, really, Morgan. First of all, in terms of the contracting or the pace of contracting, we have seen a significant improvement uh, at DOD over the last year. I think about the NASAM system, which would normally be a six to 12 month procurement. We got that done in six weeks. Um, I think, again, as, as we think about the 32, 33 billion that's been appropriated for Ukraine by Congress, only about six billion of that is under contract. Uh, we've seen $2 billion so far, but we still haven't seen a Patriot contract. Uh, we haven't seen uh, some of the replenishment orders yet. Uh, as far as Stingers and Javelins, you know, Javelin, of course, we make in partnership with Lockheed Martin. We're building those at about 400 a month. They need 800 a month. Uh, Stingers, it's, uh, again, it's, it's going to take us, uh, I would tell you, the next two years to get the next Stingers off the production line because they have been out of production for so long. So we are way behind. Uh, but it's, uh, it's not for lack of effort either in the supply chain or on our factories or in DOD. It's just a matter of getting uh, systems that were discontinued years ago back into production. It just takes time. Speaking of supply chain, are the bottlenecks there starting to ease? So we had, I would tell you, there were three distinct areas where we saw supply chain challenges. Uh, obviously, semiconductors, chips. Uh, that has stabilized. We're starting to see some of the lead times come in. Uh, and I would tell you that, I wouldn't say it's behind us, but at least we understand where that is. And I don't see any any challenges as we go through 2023. We had some problems with uh, structural castings. Uh, Jim and I talked about that before. That's a, that is a continuing challenge, although it's getting better. And the other challenge, of course, has been labor, uh, labor availability. And we are starting to see some easing of, uh, of labor shortages in the supply chain. But again, I think that will be with us through most of 2023. So I'd like to say we're, we're out of the woods, but there's still, uh, there's still a little bit to go. Yeah, I know the last time you and I met uh, back in December, you mentioned rocket motors being an issue as well. So I'm curious <laughs> what your thoughts are on Aerojet Rocketdyne now being acquired by L3 Harris and whether you're going to back that deal. Well, first of all, I, I can't really comment uh, on, on the deal <laughs> other than to say that we think it's important um, that whatever happens, happens quickly. Because again, Aerojet Rocketdyne has been a uh, been on our watch list for at least two years. And as we look out, we don't see them recovering to contract levels until 2024. And I know it was just at the Pentagon yesterday and they have very little um, time for that kind of excuse that we're not delivering uh, missiles because I can't get rocket motors. We need to fix it. And so as I told uh, Chris Kabasic uh, in an email back uh, when this was announced, I said, you know, congratulations. Uh, we need to we need to improve the operations there, and I hope that uh, they can get it done. Hey, Greg, it's David. You didn't seem overly concerned in answer to Jim's first question about a real reduction in defense spending as a result of perhaps austerity from some of the Republicans. But, you know, if we get a government shutdown or we get a real stalemate around the debt ceiling, are you going to get more concerned? Does it become more of an issue for you? You know, it's, so David, you remember back in 2011, the last time we got to this 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 point, we ended up with sequestration. I, I just don't see sequestration, uh, especially on the defense side, happening in 2023, only because the threat environment is so different. Right? We, when you're talking about the Russians invading Ukraine, you're talking about the uh, threat in Indo-PACOM. Um, none of those threats go away, and taking money away from defense. To, because of uh, some other priorities or just to cut to cut. I think, the again, that's not going to get any traction. You know, could there be a government shutdown? Sure. Um, is that going to hamstring us? Absolutely not. We're going to keep building. We're going to keep producing. And as we saw in 2011, these things pass, right? And there's drama, there's drama, there's drama. And all of a sudden, there's a deal. And then we're back to where we were. So I'm not going to panic. I think, again, you know, here in Washington, obviously, it's the talk of the town. But it's, uh, it's just one of those things that we have to work through. All right. So, Greg, last time we talked to you, you needed 55,000 engineers. Engineers are being laid off by the thousands in Silicon Valley and around the country, too. Have you been able to uh, hire engineers that used to work in Silicon Valley? And it's become harder to, to uh, easier to get them and not as hard as it was last time we saw you. 
Yeah, so Jim, we hired in total across all of Raytheon last year, 32,000 people, about half of them were engineers. And that's a, that's a big number. Obviously there was also attrition, so our net hiring was about 7,000. But we had been able to find engineering talent that was not available two years ago. And so as we see the Googles and uh, Metas and all the, the others, Microsoft laying off people, uh, it's actually, I think, an opportunity. We still have over 6,000 job openings at Raytheon today that need to be filled this year. So um, this is an opportunity for us to increase the, the talent pool. And uh, we, have, uh, we have been very, very successful in bringing folks in. So I'm not, uh, I'm not concerned about finding those folks. They're out there. And uh, again, it's, it's, it's full steam ahead for, for Raytheon in terms of uh, demand. Well, I've got to tell you, Greg, you, you set us straight. Uh, and I think people who take quick action without listening to you are obviously misdirected. Thank you so much for coming on. Squawk on the Street, Greg Hayes, runs Raytheon Technologies, the old United Technologies and Raytheon. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Morgan. David. Yep. You'll have a lot to work with tonight, Jim. Yeah, look, I've got a company called Logitech on tonight, and they make a lot of the different peripherals that you use uh, if you want to make your, say, office at home better and they, they had a serious shortfall and I think this is part of the problem. You have the shortfall and then you have the, the rally up but you maybe you have to have the shortfall first and maybe it hasn't been enough. That would be the Bernstein view. Uh, I am more bullish than that. We'll see at six. Yeah and remember we are in a period right now when you see Verizon up two and three quarters you take advantage of it even if it's fleeting. <laughs> uh, the uh, Working with this open here, a little shaky at the open, but a lot of those uh, halts have resumed, and the NYSE equities desk says status is normal. Uh, big earnings interviews continue in the next hour. Don't miss the CEOs of both General Electric and Union Pacific. Don't go anywhere. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash.